As we continue our uh, look at the way of the cross, I want to read for you a powerful passage of Scripture that's found in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. I would encourage you after you hear it now, and as you hear me talk a little bit about it, that you would go home and read through it several times because this passage of Scripture is awesome. I mean, it is really a great passage filled with riches that will thrill your soul. So let's look together at uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominion or rulers or powers. All things have been created through and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might have first place among everything. Are you kind of getting the sense of this, that Christ is really up there before all, first? For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue steadfastly established and steadfast in the faith. Let's pray. Lord, help these to be more than just words that are read and heard. Let them be for us a message, a narrative about who Jesus is. And Father, help us to fall more in love with Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, do you like insider information? You know, information that other people don't have, or at least you have it before they do. Uh, in our annual conference in the beginning of January, we have this little game that's played as our bishop and cabinet begins to project appointments for pastors. That is, what pastors will be going to what churches. And from January through the month of March, uh, most of us clergy are very interested in that process, particularly the clergy that are projected to move. And all the rest of us really try to figure out who is going to be going to where. It's a fun game we play. <laughs> now, some of you know Randy Martin, and when Randy Martin was a district superintendent, I had insider information from Randy. But now that he's no longer on the cabinet and he's retired, it makes it kind of dull. And this year, our new bishop uh, really kept the cabinet really quite tight and closed-lipped, and there were really no rumors going around anywhere. And it was kind of dull, just to be honest with you. <laughs> it was really dull. It was really dull. Uh, but we like insider information. We like to have an inside track on what's happening. We like that information that nobody else really has. If you were listening to the Scripture lesson, you heard what is some divine insider information. 
The information you heard was information that people that before Jesus, they didn't know what was written here. And even though this material has been around for more than 2,000 years, a lot of people today don't know this insider information. You see, what you heard is about the mystery of God. What God intends and what God was doing, what God is doing in and through the Messiah we know as Jesus. This morning I want to invite you to listen with me and to think about this insider information that's revealed. What we find here in Colossians, it was probably a hymn that was sung by the early church. And it told a depth of meaning of who the Messiah is. I believe if we can grasp hold of what's being said here, can live into what's being said here, it will radically impact our lives and our understanding of who Jesus is. Now, for the Christian community, we all know that the focal point of our faith is Jesus, right? We know that Jesus is the answer to every question that a pastor asks from the front of the church. You can answer Jesus, and you know that that's pretty well the answer. And for most of us, when we start the story of Jesus, we begin with Jesus being born. A, a, an angel comes to Mary and announces to her, you're going to give birth to a son. This son's going to be great. And we know that this Jesus then is, is born in Bethlehem of Judea. We have this wonderful church season that we call Advent when we anticipate the coming of Jesus. And then we celebrate this wonderful holiday called Christmas, and it's just all wonderful. We think of that as the beginning point, Jesus. But Paul, hearing this hymn, starts at a different place, a place that precedes the announcement to Mary, something that really supersedes this amazing birth of the Messiah, God becoming human, he starts and he talks about creation, but even starts before creation. And he lets us know that before creation, the Messiah, Christ, was before all things. That's Paul's words, that he was before all things. Say that with me. Before all things. Christ, being a part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, existed before all things. Before there was anything, before there was this world, before there was a sun, before there was a moon, before there was a universe, the Messiah was. The Messiah has always been and this is a part of divine mystery. The Messiah has always been. We've just entered into my favorite uh, time of the year of spring. Uh, don't you just love this time of the year? You know, we'll walk outside here in just a few moments and the warm sun will beat down upon us and it will just kind of energize us a bit. You know, we can look around and we'll find flowers blooming. We'll find trees budding out. We'll find the hillsides beginning to turn green. And we'll have all this wonderful pollen that we get to breathe in every day in East Tennessee. It's a wonderful time of the year, isn't it? Well, this time of the year uh, helps us to know that that things have a beginning. It tells us that at some point, things come into existence. 
Here in this hymn, we are told that Christ is the one who was responsible for creating everything. It says this, all things were created for and through Christ. Now let that sink in for a minute. Everything, everything in this world, whether the world itself, everything in nature, all the animals, all the creatures, all the people, the sun in the sky, the moon in the sky, the stars, the galaxies throughout the universe, everything was created by Christ. Everything came into existence before him. He is responsible for everything. Say that with me. He is responsible for everything. But not only is he responsible for everything, everything was created for him. Now, I love my wife, Patty, a great deal. And one of the ways that I like to express my love to her is by giving her things. Uh, and I particularly like to make things with my hands to give to her. So from time to time, I'll go down into my workshop and, uh, you know, put something together for her sake. Several years ago, I, I, I made for her a, a makeup uh, table or dresser and it's just specially for her uh, it has a, a drawer that has compartments in it where she stores a lot of her rings and earrings and such it has a little cabinet in it that you know has all her her, uh, her necklaces hung up uh, it has lots of drawers for the various kinds of makeup I have no idea what all that makeup's for but it sure does make her look good uh, <clears throat> uh, and you know that dresser I made it specifically for Patty, I don't mess with it. The only time I ever get in it is when I'm looking for a pair of tweezers. Uh, she's got the bestest tweezers ever. I mean, they can really just pluck out those little fine pieces of uh, uh, splinters I get in my hands. Uh, uh, but, but it's hers. It's for her. Do you know that this universe... That our solar system, that our world, this cosmos, was created for Christ. For Christ's pleasure and for Christ's fullness. It was created for Him. It was created for Him. This universe was created. For Christ. Now you need to understand that about the divine mystery. Everything that exists exists for Christ's sake. Wow. Christ holds, according to this hymn, a place of supremacy. There is nothing, no one in all of creation that is higher than Christ. He is first. He is before all things. All things were designed to be under Christ's authority and rule, to operate in harmony under Christ. The fullness of all things were designed to be in Christ. All things find their purpose in Christ. In Him 
all things hold together. That is the divine mystery of God. Everything finds its purpose in Christ. Uh, Through the years uh, as a pastor, I've had the privilege of getting to know uh, a lot of couples and, uh, you know, because being a pastor, I sometimes have a little bit different kind of insight into uh, relationships than just the average person would. And uh, I've oftentimes seen couples and I thought, man, if they get along and, and they stay together very long, it's going to be an absolute miracle of God. Have you ever known any couples like that? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's others. It looks, it's like, man, that is a relationship made in heaven. I mean, they are the Barbie and Ken couple. I mean, they look good together. They sound good together. They walk hand in hand. I mean, it's like they got it really together. And then, bam, I hear that couple, that marriage I thought was made in heaven, they've separated and they're on their way to divorce. Have you ever been shocked by something like that? And I've thought, Man, there was something going on behind the scenes that none of us were aware of. Something radical has happened. Well, in this passage, there is something radical that takes place. You see, God created everything, that everything would be in harmony together under Christ, that all things would be in this this, this perfect union with Christ as the head, with Christ as the supreme one. That was God's intention. And then between verses 19 and 20 in this hymn, something radical took place. I mean, earth-shattering, universe-trembling took place. Now, in most English translations, all you you see is a comma at the end of verse 19, but that comma represents what radical thing happened. Because you see, before... God's intention was the unity and harmony of all of creation. And then you find in verse 20 it talks about that God needs to reconcile creation. Something happened to the harmony. Something happened to the relationship. Something happened to the unity. And now there's this need to reconcile. Now, Paul, in this hymn, he doesn't tell us what that is, but the Bible gives us plenty of information. And basically, it tells us about two important movements where everything changed so radically. Now, one is cloaked in a lot of mystery. It's something that happened in the heavenly realm among those angelic beings. And we're told just a little bit about that story. But in that story, it goes something like this. There was an angel who had a place of position and authority who was exalted in, in the, the angel's self and wanted to exalt the angel's self even more and rebelled against God. And in that rebellion, a third of the angelic beings joined that one. And that being and those who joined that being were cast from God's presence in the heavenly realm. Now, it's weird. It's mysterious. But that's based on the story. Now, we know a lot more about the second movement, though, because we're a part of that movement as human beings. You see, those that God created to bear His image, human beings, those He placed on this earth to care for the creation that was created for Christ's sake, those 
followed the same course as those fallen angelic beings. And the Bible tells us kind of the narratives of what happened, that these who bore God's image chose to be like God rather than content to serve God. They chose their own way rather than going God's way. They did right in their own eyes rather than doing right in God's eyes. They worshiped the creation rather than the creator of it all. And because of human actions, these image bearers were estranged from God. Now I'm going to say it rather plainly. We screwed up royally. We messed up. And it's not just some ancient folk we call Adam and Eve. It's all of human beings joined in this of going our own way rather than God's way, and we were estranged. And it messed up everything. It took the balance of creation, what God had intended, and it, it, just, it just flipped it all on its head. And God was faced with this dilemma, what to do now? God could have decided, you know, these image bearers, they just don't get it. I'm just going to wipe out everything and start from scratch again. Or I'm just going to wipe it all away. Father, Son, and Spirit, we can have relationship in the, and it can be complete even in that. But God decided that God wants to reconcile all of creation, all of these image bearers back to himself to bring once again this harmony back into creation, into the relationship with God. So God acts to reconcile all things. And God chooses to do this through Christ. Have you ever been a part of a relationship that was just messed up? Have you ever been a part of a relationship messed up? Maybe a relationship in your family, maybe husband and wife, maybe between a parent and child, a relationship between friends, a relationship in business. Uh, when, when relationships are estranged, it's, it's, it's tough stuff, isn't it? I, I mean, none of us like that, and particularly when we've had a close relationship with someone and something happens and it just messes that relationship up, it's tough. And we long to have those relationships reconciled, to be brought back together. And so God acts to reconcile. And notice why it says that he reconciles all things to himself, and he does that through Christ. Uh, some time ago, a good friend of mine shared a story of, uh, uh, of an estranged relationship in his family. Uh, this man's uh, brother, uh, somewhere along the line, became estranged from parents. And for a period of decades, this son never spoke or had anything to do with his parents. The parents grew old and the mother became very ill. And this brother, whose relationship with his parents had always been okay, said to his brother, who was estranged from his parents, he said, he said, I need some help taking care of mom. I just can't do it by myself. I really need your help. 
And so his brother said, okay, I'll step up, not because I care anything about mom, but because I love you and I care about you. And this son started helping to take care of his mother. Take care of his mother. And something happened beyond just caring for mom. The relationship was reconciled. As a matter of fact, the day their mother died, this son who had been estranged was with his mama. Isn't it sweet when reconciliation takes place? God acts in Jesus Christ to reconcile all of creation, you and me, all of creation, all this universe, to himself. Paul here talks about making peace. Part of reconciliation oftentimes involves this peace element that when parties are split, when parties are divided, there's this need to bring them back together and to make peace. You see, you can't have a reconciled relationship while there's warring going on, whether there's war of words and rhetoric and war and fighting and war and struggle and hatred of one another. You've got to bring peace back. And in our world, there are two chief ways that we typically bring peace to try to reconcile relationships. One way that we commonly do it is through a bargained or negotiated kind of reconciliation. One party says, I'll do this and you do that, and then they come together. Between nations, you know, you'll have a mediator that says, okay, said, we'll give up this territory, but we want to guarantee that you'll no longer make war against us anymore. A lot of that's probably going on now in Ukraine with Russia, that negotiated kind of peace. Whether it works or not, we won't know for a while probably. Another way is that, that one group, one party, has the power to inflict its will on the other party. Again, World War II ended because of that, because the Allied forces defeated the Axis forces and then said, we're going to now be at peace, and they negotiated the terms of what that really meant. But that's not the way God did it. God could have in God's power said, I'm superior to everybody and everything, and it's going to be this way. But God didn't do it that way. God could have said, okay, if you all do this, then I'll do this. But that's not the way God did it. Paul wrote this, that Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. Christ didn't bring reconciliation by forcing others to do what he wanted. Christ did not bring reconciliation by trying to bargain, but he did it by shedding his own blood. He reconciled human beings. He reconciled all of creation through himself by way of the cross. By way of the cross. Jesus made the complete sacrifice to reconcile us in all creation. Now we can live into this new relationship as people who have a clean slate before God and are holy. We have this opportunity to live once again in harmony with the creator of this universe. Now that's big. 
As in all reconciled relationships, it, this one too is a two-way street. God has acted. We can't add anything to or take anything away from what God has done through Christ in reconciling all of creation to himself through the blood of the cross. But now it is our part to live into what God has done through faith. That steadfast faith. So this morning, do you really trust Jesus? Do you really accept what he's done? Let's live into it. We're gathering at this table, and this table tells the very story that I've just told here in these words. You see, Christ's blood was shed to reconcile you and me and all of creation to God. Let's now by faith receive and let us live in to this new reality. Amen? Amen. If those assisting in communion will come forward, we'll celebrate the holy meal.